When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Tom Bernard Show with... Tammy Cabrera, Muddy Paws Cheesecake. Mike Molina. Andy Brett Bernard. Dave Schrader. And at the right hand, Ralph Dewey Basher, MD, the Hackmaster. The right hand. Is that Benjamin? At the right hand. Is Benjamin, Benjamin is the, 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 the boy on the, on the right hand, isn't it? Isn't it what Benjamin means? What the means? hell are you talking about? The, oh. the name Benjamin means to the, like, to the right hand. Benjamin, I think yeah, it does. To... Benjamin means son of my right hand. Son of my right hand. In yeah. Hebrew. Wow. In huh. Hebrew. See, look at just hanging out with Man. Uncle Tom. I always assumed it would be like uh, the same root word as benevolence. Benevolence. Yeah. Which I mean, maybe it is. But it's a Hebrew oh, word. Oh, is this mine? Yeah. Muddy paws cheesecake. They got broken into. Uh, you have to give out the uh, the address again for the. Uh, Go fund me. Go fund me. And it's help rebuild Muddy Paws Cheesecake is what its name help is. Help rebuild there. Muddy Paws Cheesecake. Tammy's been coming in for a while now, a couple of years. Yeah. Right? Having a good time. Did you get your cheesecake, Ralph? Did you get your cheesecake? I got my cheesecake. <laughs> Raspberry and, and chocolate chip. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah. Oof. It's Favorite. delicious stuff. Yeah. It's really, really good. I. I so. Balls are automotive. <laughs> We haven't done the commercials yet. Okay, we'll be right back. Sorry. <laughs> we'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt that talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. And it's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Are you trying to upset Cardi B? Is that what you're doing? Tammy, I have to ask you a question. Sure. 
care about your cheesecake. Okay. Some cheesecake, and I don't know why this is, and yours does not. Some cheesecake has a little bit of a bitter taste to it. Why, do people just not know how to make cheesecake? Um, it's in my opinion that most people don't know how to make cheesecake. They don't. It's true. <laughs> um, I grew up with cheesecake in south in south side of Chicago, and it was like it was part of life. So when I moved here and I couldn't find it, um, I just started making it for fun, really. And then people were asking me where I got it, and I said, "Well, I made it." And right. That's where this all started, actually. Aren't you going to have a piece of cheesecake? I'll have a piece of cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not having a piece I of cheesecake. I was saving it for Catherine. Forget Catherine. She's out of the mix. <laughs> She's out of the mix. You're not here, you lose out. <laughs> you're not here, you lose out. That's just how it is, man. But you're missing a good piece of cheesecake, Catherine. That's all I got to say. But I mean, even, like, when I lived in New York, I would go get a piece of cheese. I stopped eating cheesecake for a while because... So most of it's bad. Most of it is just not very good. Yeah. And what it... Well, I don't tell anybody what it is because it's none of their business. No, but the base, it really comes <laughs> down to the basics. Whatever you make, no matter what you're cooking, it, using the best ingredients and taking time to do it and not rushing oh, it. Oh, yeah. And that's really, it's, it goes back to actually the ancient Greeks and how they made cheesecakes. It takes us 40 hours for each cake. 40 hours? Yeah. And it was, you said it's a Greek thing? It started, this, it's back to ancient Greeks and how they made cakes and, um, you know, it, you know, it's going to put whipped cream on them. It's because there's no cracks. Uh, we like them, you know, we take a lot of time to cook them so they, right. look, they look beautiful. The other thing is we don't add any fillers. Um, you'll find flour, or lots of egg whites, or different things in cheesecakes that are less expensive. And we're using That's all natural taste. ingredients. And, and actually, people laugh when I say this, but it's actually pretty healthy for you. I mean, it's like, it's not really, if you have a small enough piece, it's, it's right mm -hmm. where it should be for the amount of fat and um, carbs and, you know, and protein. So is it actually cheese? Cream cheese. It's cream cheese, but see, once again, it's got a great consistency to it. Mm -hmm. It's not all weird and mushy, and it. Yeah, I. I we don't add any filler, yeah. Because you add, don't add any filler. Don't, yeah, we no. don't add any filler, and it's all real, natural, whole ingredients. Well, here's here's the honest to god truth. I tried cheesecake once, in Illinois, and it was so horrible. And then the word cheesecake right. just gags me out. I know. So this is the second cheesecake I've ever tried in my life. This would make me eat cheesecake again. Yeah, I I had, I, I've always avoided. Ugh. I had cheesecake when I was a kid, and it was just some cheap, you know, generic cheesecake. And yeah, I didn't eat it for another ten years after what, that. What you don't like the Marie Callender's cheesecake? It's just like <laughs> they used to make Callender. it in the old country. <laughs> in the old country of what? <laughs> well, I have so many people come in assuming. You know that they've had cheesecake, and then right, and then like they like thirty six dollars for a cheesecake. I'm like, do you know how cheap that is for a cheesecake in Chicago? The good cheesecake would be seventy bucks. You know, so then um, they take a bite of it, like, oh my gosh, you know, it's so, phenomenal. So they've a lot of people have had, you know, I won't give out names, but they've had bad cheesecake in a lot of places. Marie Callender, yeah. <laughs> well, even a bigger, <laughs> big name locally, you know. But you know, Cheesecake Factory. I'll say. It. I mean, like you know, it's, it's you know. I mean, like it's um, it's it's. They're more about their dining options than the cheesecake thing. Yeah. Why would you name a cheesecake factory and then not make good cheesecake? It makes yeah. no sense. It used to be mostly cheesecake, and then it became like a it's restaurant. It's more, more of a restaurant yeah. now. Yeah. Is that like the spaghetti factory? Yeah. Well. Yeah. They do anything but spaghetti. Don't they? They do spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, they do. But it's. I don't think it's like their main. What is, is what's their main thing? I don't know. I've eaten there once. There's spaghetti oh. with um, brown butter, mazithra cheese at spaghetti factories. Are number one entree. That's probably really good. It's really good. It's the only thing I'll eat there, but it's really good. It's, it's, it's the it's, only thing. <laughs> We're just blasting oh, and their wine. Everybody. And their wine. Yeah. <laughs> Last time I, I ate there was in Salt Lake City. And I remember that was the the dish that I remember, and that's the only place you get something like that. You can't. I can't get it anywhere else. And when I go there, I ask for extra mazithra. <laughs> it's like going into uh what is it ohio and skyline chili mm -hmm. have you ever been there seen skyline chili at all oh you no. mean that the uh you, they serve you a plate of yes, spaghetti, spaghetti with the chili over oh, the top sure, sure. right and i've never tried that before but that's like all the rage it's great stuff but it it wants out quick yeah they went yeah it does <laughs> they like cincinnati chili don't they right yeah something like that i'd love to do a blog just based on what every city's specialties and talking about those things you know does Minneapolis have a specialty now? Minneapolis St. Paul. Flour. Because the food here was horrendous up until about 40 years ago. I it's mean, you really had places. Improved. It yeah. has a lot. And hey, when are we going to see the Ludafisk factory pop open? Never. That's not going to happen. 
God. I still don't understand. Ludafisk. I don't know. How, you soak fish <laughs> in lye. And then leave it out in the <laughs> sun for days. <laughs> we need, like, we'll put it, make sure we put it down by the river for the effluent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never understood that whole deal. I just don't understand it at all. Oof. Oh, okay, so what did you put in the hole in the roof for now? Did you just cover it up with plywood? Just an open-air um, cafe. No, I mean... It's an open-air cafe. Um, <laughs> no, I... Um, a, roof, a roofing contractor did come out and put, oh, um, uh, he put a, a temporary uh, roofing piece down until the snow melts. Mm -hmm. And the investigators are also asking that we don't do a lot on the roof um, at this time. Well, you can still do, as long as you can still do business. Yeah, we can still do business. But yeah, there's a, it's not leaking and there's a cover over it. And then the front door, we have a plywood over. So this just, this just happened on Saturday? Saturday, um, yeah. I the scary thing is, is I had just, I believe oh, I just left. I left man. close to midnight, and they're thinking that they came in around two. Ooh, if so I'd been left. there, I don't think I'd be at the show right now. I think you'd be. They wouldn't take you out though. I don't know the kind of, like the way they took down these walls and the, it's. So they just cut a hole in the roof and kicked in the door and cut holes in the wall. Why'd they do all that damage? They were looking for this other tenant, so they were taking they were taking flashlights, putting them through the holes in the wall. <laughs> but the hole in the wall is like almost body size. I was gonna say, what? They went well. They went through them, but they didn't cause my neighbors any damage. So the the ones they were going after, they have no damage. Um, nope. The the my neighbors have no damage because that was not who they were going oh, after. Oh, I see. Okay, they weren't. Okay. Yeah. I, I just. I don't know. I. It, by the way, Tammy has not told us what kind of business it is because it's none of our business. But I was trying to think. Other than a bank, what would you break into? Jewelry I, store. A jewelry store. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pawn shop. Oh. But, but now that they can make diamonds instead of now, real diamonds them. are still much more valuable. That's not what I heard on a jewelry commercial on the way over here. Really? Well, did you see that Costco selling a diamond ring for three hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars? Huh. Costco. Oh my gosh! I mean, Costco. Can you imagine with, asking a girl to marry you with a Costco ring? With a three hundred eighty-eight thousand uh. dollar Costco ring. Hey, I love Costco. Honey, just plug your ears. Ignore all of these <laughs> things the people receipt. are saying. Yes, exactly. And I remember, cubic zirconia is just as good, and nobody had to die to make it. Oh God, Z zirconia. I'd rather have one of those things you get in the gumball machine that comes in a little. You know, little bubble. Oh, they're cute. <laughs> they are very, very cute. Yeah, but they'll give you a rash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a nickel in them or something. <laughs> yeah, Ralph knows from experience. It'll, yeah, one after you know, it'll, it'll give you a rash or it'll turn your finger green. Other than that, though, everything's good. Yeah, it's going to be great. Just put a little clear coat nail polish on the inside of the ring. That's <laughs> yeah. what. Yeah. There you go. Good as new. <laughs> Kyle Byler is a beloved eighth grade teacher in Lancaster, Pennsylvania's Hand Middle School, and says his students worked their butts off during last week's standardized testing. While they were focusing on the Pennsylvania system of school assessment, he plugged in an electric griddle and made each kid a single whole grain pancake to eat during the test. He'll likely be fired for doing that, reports Lancaster Online. Per Pennsylvania Department of Education stats, about 5% all but 5% of hand students hail from low-income families, and for some, whole-grain pancakes may be the only hot meal they've gotten that day, says Lancaster Education Association President Jason Malloy. But after the assistant principal walked into the class during the test, Byler was told he'd be fired for causing a distraction. The 38-year-old teacher who has been with the school as a social studies teacher since 2013 says that's hogwash. I don't understand what I did wrong. There was no infraction whatsoever. To wit, the PEDE has no rule that bans making or serving food during the testing, though a rep for the department said that making the pancakes could have hindered Byler's ability to actively monitor the testing. Though more than two dozen students staged a two-hour protest on Friday, Lancaster Online reports the school board is expected to greenlight Byler's termination at its uh, meeting tonight. As a matter of fact, Lancaster Online's Facebook post on the issue was full of comments in support of Byler, with many recalling being fed snacks by teachers during their own testing, and one noting, this is as stupid as the lunch ladies that have gotten fired at other schools for paying for school lunches for kids. They're going to fire this guy 
because he gave food to poor kids. Yeah, academia is uh, not in a good place. I don't really understand what where are they headed with all this. You know what they've actually found now? A lot of times when it's a testing day at school, yes, they send home a note saying make sure to send gum with your kids today. Gum? Because chewing gum helps them focus more on doing the test. So I wonder, I mean, if this guy could use that. He was trying to engage the kids and, and give them some food and something to literally chew on while they were working on the test. Yeah. Schools are doing that. As a matter of fact, uh, one of my boys uh, was at school and kind of getting a little disruptive, and the teacher gave him some gum calms him right down. Isn't that just strange to me that that's kind of the, the mentality of it? But now I'm wondering, you know, how soon are we going to start firing good teachers for doing nice things for their students? Bricks and mortar school is in trouble. Bricks and mortar school <laughs> yeah. is failed. It's not failing. It has failed. And like I've said before, I think virtual school, you know, bricks and mortar school is a is a, oof, is a 16th century solution for a 21st century problem. I agree with that. You know, and you know why doesn't uh, uh, university like uh, university like Harvard? Uh, why why do they only lecture to a certain number of a certain group of kids? A certain number of kids. Why don't they open it up to like twenty or thirty or forty or hundred thousand kids? You know, professors give them a lecture. If you listen to it online, take the test, boom, done. Charge them a little bit less, right. you get your Harvard degree. Right, but that's the that's having the Ivy League schools on your reputation, if it's just anybody can get in, then it means nothing. Well, but what? It, it should mean nothing. Right. It well, should exactly, mean nothing. But that's the whole but prestige more and more, it, it means less and less and less and less. I mean, I, in fact, in fact, to, to my, uh, in, in my opinion, people that I've never, have never worked opposite someone who finished at Harvard as a physician that I would go to. Hmm. So they're just living off the Harvard name. Well, I'm, I, my, it's my personal experience. I, I, I just remember two residents when I was a resident. Man, I thought to myself, whoa, I'm, this is not normal. I figured you went to Harvard, and I go, whoa, no problem-solving skills, no interpersonal relation skills, nothing, zero. They had to be, I don't know what they were. They were just the most bizarre thing. And I was not the only person who spoke to that in, in the one instance. It was another, the junior, so I was, I, was an, I was an intern with this other person, and the junior resident at the time said, oh, yeah, they were not good at all. Oof, that was a real problem. Except for Dick Rasmussen, my buddy, who was uh, worked in the neurology department down at Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm. Dick went to Harvard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's some people, good people come out of, out of Harvard, and there's some complete idiots. Matter of fact, one of the vice presidents of... Uh, of ABC Radio back when ABC owned KQRS was a Harvard graduate, and I literally told him to his face, you're one of the dumbest people I've ever met in my entire life. How the hell did you ever graduate from Harvard? And I have no idea. How did he? Oh, I think there are ways to finish at Harvard without having to really excel or like do the work. Yeah, there I, might be. I mean, it may take a few more uh, zeros on that check than what you oh. and I would write, but you know, if you're a legacy there, you know, if, yeah. you know, you build a wing there. I mean, your kid's going to finish at Harvard. Yeah, it's been true. a big like nepotism circle for a long time. That's very true. Absolutely true. Uh, Andy, when we come back, would you hit up that uh, that obituary page there beneath the Daily Rundown? Because I I don't recognize that person. Yeah, that one. Do you recognize that person? Matthew Mellon. Matthew, oh, is that from the Mellon family? No. Banking heir, yes. Yeah, banking heir Mellon. Uh, we got time, 45 seconds. Matthew Mellon, the banking heir whose cryptocurrency investment paid off big time, has died at a rehab facility in Cancun, Mexico. He was only 54 years old. A family rep issued the following statement to page six. Mellon made his fortune in cryptocurrency, turning a $2 million investment into $1 billion. He is survived by his three children, Force, Olympia, and Minty. Wow. His kids' name are Force. Your kid's name is Force Melon? Mm, and Minty and Melon. Minty Melon. Well, that at least makes sense. Sounds like a nice, cool, refreshing drink at Starbucks. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Your Minty Melon. <laughs> One wasn't water. What the hell? Well, when we come back, we're going to find out what the hell killed him at rehab. Because he looks like he's in great shape. I don't, man. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom for Flow. For the past 35 years, Flow's passion to invent a better way has created some of the finest recreational products available. Flow's Cargo Max trailer line is a perfect example of their innovation. 
This trailer is redefining the utility trailer industry. They start with a strong aluminum frame and then add a thermoform polymer bed. It gives you a nearly indestructible one-piece trailer body. And since it's molded, it adds style that the trailer industry has never seen. They even beat it with a large sledgehammer at 20 below zero to prove how tough it is. Best of all, you'll never worry about dents, rust, rot, or paint. Visit their website at floeintl.com to find your local dealer and to see videos of this unique trailer, including a video showing hockey star Ryan Suter shooting pucks at it, trying to break it. You'll quickly see how Flow has earned the reputation for quality products and offering you more for your money. Flow, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds are going fast. I've lost over 34 pounds. Nutramost is so easy, and they guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a second free informational dinner. Learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client and owner, who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner, and so will I, actually. It's Monday, April 30th, 6 p.m. at Jake City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Nutramost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited. Call 763-333-7337 to register. That's 763-333-7337. I tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. I don't think we're ever going to hear another more ironic song in our lives. No. I don't want to rehab. I'd rather die on the couch. How long after that did it take for her to die? It was like a year. She sings about not going to rehab, and then she overdoses. Oh, alcohol poisoning. Oh, is that what it was, alcohol poisoning? Let's see, she died of alcohol poisoning on July 23rd, 2011. And then, let's see. I think that song came out five years earlier. Five rehab years. was 2006, yeah. So there you have it. One and way or the other, she's dead. If you're wondering how this guy made all his money, the answer is a lot of luck. Who, Matthew Mellon? Yeah, I'm looking at the charts for this, uh, the currency he bought. He bought a yeah. coin called Ripple. Ripple? Which it has something to do with, like, the banks oh, yeah. own it or something. Oh, and um, the Mellon Bank? He's in the I banking know. industry. Oh, really? Or, did, or, did, or did, was he in the, with the founding member? So he gets the first thousand or whatever, that sort of stuff. Yeah, sure. that's, that's a good point. <clears throat> Well, let's, um, so in December 2017, it was worth about 25 cents per coin. Then on January 3rd, it was worth $3 per coin. So, you know, that's, that's a good, re- good return on your investment. Then a month later, time. it was back to 75 cents, and now it's down to 50 cents. So basically, there was a massive bubble that he just happened to sell at the top of. Good plan. Or, well, just happened, or, you know. He knew or, that it was going to happen. he sold, and then they thought, oh, my God, if the banking guy's selling, we want out. And that's right. what created the and bubble that, to yeah. pop. Yeah, that's a possibility. Would it have continued to climb if he wouldn't have bailed out on it? I think there's more to that. And, and what kind of rehab facility was he at in Cancun, Mexico? <laughs> right. Well, I don't think I'd go to Cancun to rehab. No. Was he rehabbing his heart? Was he rehabbing his hand or his joints? Or was he rehabbing his chemicals? Matthew Mellon, the banking heir whose cryptocurrency investment paid off big time, has died at a rehab facility in Cancun, Mexico. He's only 54 years old. A family rep issued the following statement to page six. Mellon made his fortune in cryptocurrency, turning a $2 million investment into $1 billion. He is survived by his three children, Force, Olympia, and Minty. The family asks that their privacy be respected at this pay- very I'm sorry, your name is Minty Mellon. You don't get any privacy. <laughs> the AP reports Mellon hailed from the Mellon and Drexel families of... Ba- oh, so he's a Drexel and a Mellon. Okay. There we go. Uh, New York, uh, Mellon and Drexel Burnham Lambert, and has details on his first married to Jimmy Choo co-founder Tamara Mellon. 
The two reportedly met at a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Oh, my God. Harriet's a problem. I thought you were not supposed to date people Love from is in the air. NA or any of that stuff. I don't think you are. But you've already got something in common. That's so true. much you easier a, a, to start on that, on that common ground. I also love heroin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> married in 1999 at a wedding attended by the likes of Elizabeth Hurley and Hugh Grant. After their divorce, Melon wed fashion designer Nicole Hanley. They split in 2015. So this kid can really hang in there with the women, huh? Yeah. Uh, page 6 reports Melon spoke of his addiction issues in 2016, saying he had developed a $100,000 a month OxyContin habit. Holy. How much OxyContin, oh, so much Oxycontin is at 100 grand? So even if we assume Man. that he's buying off the street, which he probably wasn't because I'm assuming he would have the connections. Man. Let's see. What's the street price of Oxy? A hundred thousand a month. Street price is fifty to eighty a pill. So let's see. He was paying eighty a pill. Wow, Man. I'm in the wrong business, Tom. That yeah, would be. You got a bottle up there on the no corner way. of Lake and Hennepin today. So he was taking. He was taking one point two million of them a month. No, no, that's not right, <laughs> Andy. Not it was a hundred dollars. No. It was a hundred dollars a pill. That's only a thousand Wait, pills. Hundred. How many? How a hundred thousand a month? A month. Yeah, okay, so. twelve, twelve hundred fifty a month. Yeah, that's still. <laughs> That'll destroy your day. liver. Destroy everything. Yeah, that's forty-one over forty-one per day. Well, Brett Butler admitted in public she was up to like forty a day at one point. Really? Yeah. That would destroy your uh, liver in days. Everything. Yeah. Well, I, just, I, I, I don't know. It's, is it really hard on your liver? I don't remember that. What is yeah, that? Yeah, the acetaminophen aspect, right? Yeah, well, it just depends on what well, purity. The, the oxycontin do. might be uh, might be pure though. You might be getting uh, yeah, the acetaminophen would, but there's oxycontin. Well, well, yeah, well, well, but you don't know what he was buying and what what uh, uh, formulation he was buying and blah blah, blah yeah, all that right. sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, the, he would have been dead from liver failure. Yeah. But well, there's your narcotics problem right there. Well, you think respiratory failure too, wouldn't you? Oxy's going to bring you know, your you down have, your breathing. You down. have uh, you get uh, you get tachyphylaxis, or uh, you get used to it, so that you sort of you know you more you need more and more and more and more, and you're tolerating more and more and more and more because uh-huh. your body metabolizes it quicker, quicker, and you just get your brain gets uh, sensitized to it or desensitized to it, so you don't stop breathing. Well, the good news is that Matthew Mellon was getting a deal because he was taking 80 pills a day. Oh, so he's only paying forty dollars a pill, huh? Yeah, we get eighty. You get wholesale pricing, Andy. You, you, right. you, you, you should oh, buy a hundred. When you buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of pills, they, you give wholesale, you they give you wholesale pricing. It comes in in a pallet. Yeah, he, he, and you get a smartwatch, I think, right? He does say he was getting it from doctors. The doctors kept writing prescriptions like they were smarties. He said at the time, Doctor Nick. It's very yeah. Right. Hey, hey Doctor Nick. You have the time one, to take eighty pills. You just be constantly <laughs> taking pills all day. Oh, he, he eating them like uh, you know. You take you grab a handful of peanuts and you're shaking them in your hand. Right. You just, well, that's what that <laughs> move was. I was wondering what you were doing. That's right. he, he was, uh, the YouTube no, channel's got to love that. That's right. You're like this. Put them in like yeah. this. Put them in his mouth. Wow. That's right. He was. He was. You get a 3D print a Pez dispenser for OxyContin. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. You take care of that. He was renting a house in Los Angeles when he died for 1.8 million a year. Wow. Okay, one point eight million in rent per year. That's pretty good. Must have been a nice house. Yeah. Why not just buy? Big association fee. <laughs> yeah, your association fee's got to be kind of up there. There's no question about it. Holy mackerel! There's no doubt. So Matthew Mellon is dead at the age of fifty-four because he just couldn't. Now, did it say did he die of a drug overdose? Or what does assume. it say? What he it doesn't say what he died of. That or liver failure. It's, well, it's, it's going to be one of those two. There, or it could have been suicide. Or that. Suicide, suicide yeah. uh, chemical. Well, there's a very high incidence of suicide uh, during uh, during rehabilitation. Yeah. During uh, you know, being, when you get so when you first get sober, you're in a really fragile spot. I understand yeah, I it's not entirely true. pleasant. Nope. nope. I would imagine that's probably true. Yes. Apparently, unfortunately, Wendy knows someone whose son would crush them and snort them. Snort, which does make sense pills? because that would bypass the liver metabolism. So, you know, that's actually uh, no, no, it doesn't because well, it still gets absorbed. Yeah. It's in your lung. No, you're absorbing. If you got acetaminophen in, you're still absorbing it. So, no, it doesn't. But it wouldn't absorb as much as if you were to swallow it. It's still going to be more than enough to destroy your liver. But if you get somehow get 
low low acetaminophen or no acetaminophen formula, yeah. which is the only way I can see surviving something like that for more than a couple months. But if if he, what he said is true, and there was a physician or multiple physicians prescribing to him, and the state board didn't follow his acquisition of the drug, which is the pharmacy board here follows every every pill that you're right now, because I had to register, I had to, I had to personally register and make sure it was me that registered uh, on this uh, formulary or this this uh, database. There's there's no there's certain responsibility of the state doing that mm. because they should know. That oh, oh, what are you doing? Eighty pills a day. I mean, they should know that that's how that's getting filled. Well, I'm assuming since he had so much money, he could probably pay anyone he wanted to off. Yeah. Find the corrupt person who works in the right place and pay them off, and you're good to go. With two billion dollars, that's a lot of payoffs. The only downside to his whole story, other than dying young, is he was pigeon toed. Hmm. I just noticed the stride. They're showing him walking up onto a curb, and his foot is turned in. Why would you turn your foot in going up a curb? Yep. Unless you were pigeon-toed. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Neurological so, damage from all the pills? Probably. <laughs> Do you think that's what it was, neurological damage? Probably no. not. Physically, no. no that's a phys- I think that's a physical that's deformity. Physical. Yeah. It's all a physical deal. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, a sad oh. deal. 54 years old, you're a billionaire, you got everything in the world except for you're not very good at being married. You suck at being married, apparently. Uh, they found that Harry Anderson dead at 65. They yeah. they know what killed him now? Because they, so they were saying it was natural I, causes. Yeah, I thought it was just natural causes, and the, the coroner had said he didn't see any show foul play. But how do you die of natural causes at 65? Well, and Andy's brought young? it up before on the show, right? 65 to maybe you and I is, is young, but... You know, at his peak, was Harry doing coke in the well, 80s and 90s? That's true. Was he, you that's know, true, yeah. that stuff has a long term yeah. effect on, on destroying your innards. So, 65, does, yeah. when you start breaking down, if you've already accelerated that pace, 65 to him could have been 85 to us. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. And so, and I don't, and I'm not trying to put that out there. I'm not saying he was a drug addict, but there, you know, there could have been heavy drinking and alcohol or yeah, you know, drug abuse yeah, some point along there too that that took its toll. No, Art Bell died at 72. Yeah, I mean, what was that all about? Well, you know, he's suffered from COPD. Oh, um, he was. They smoker. haven't officially come out yet because he passed away at home. They're doing an autopsy, so we'll we'll have some results out this week. But um, he was really sick about a year ago, and we were all a little surprised he pulled through. Oh, really? So was he a big smoker? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for a long time. And uh, so was his uh, his wife, um, who passed away from an asthma attack back in 2006. Oh, really? She was a pretty heavy smoker as well. And Art had gone to bed for the night and woke up to find his wife had passed. Wait a uh, second. She was, she was asthmatic and smoked? Yeah, people are That's, not the brightest huh. when it comes uh, to taking plan. care of themselves. You, you would be shocked how many people... Have the inhaler in one hand and the pack of Luckies well, in the other. <laughs> look at really? the people you yeah. see smoking yeah. through oh, yeah, the trach hole. I like it when they get the, the tobacco stains right here. Right, right on the neck. Oh. So with Art Bell, he was 72 years old. It, you know, And it's a real shame. I mean, the guy was an innovator. Yeah. He wasn't the first to do a paranormal-style radio right, show. That started right. back in the 50s and 60s. But he really took it mainstream, and, and it was his... He had an edgy voice. He had an interesting personality. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, you know that that I think that was just that magic combination that created what Coast to Coast eventually right. became and a juggernaut. I, and I and I said it before that uh, Lindsay, uh, when uh, when she, we had our house, when she lived with the kids in L.A. at night, if, when I wasn't there, she'd want to she'd have a hard time going to sleep. She'd turn on Coast to Coast, <laughs> and she would listen to Art Bell, and she got so afraid she had to turn it off. Right. <laughs> he, so so he really did the theater of the mind. Yeah, he, he was right. the theater of the mind very well. Very well. And, and these people, they would call in, and they would call in about all the conspiracies and all the well, I, odd I, things. I recall when I was had moved to Minneapolis. It was 1991. I, was, I got done playing softball one night. I'm driving home from the bar, and he has Dr. Barry Taffon talking about the entity case and the haunting in San Pedro. And I didn't have a radio in my house. And I was so riveted, I couldn't get out of my car. I sat in my car for three hours listening to the remainder of the show. I got out, got in the house, and left every light on because I was so freaked out by the stuff <laughs> See, that they yeah, talked really. about on that episode. Right. Yeah. Well, I lived alone. It's, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. Every little bump is going to sound like, uh, you know, Jacob yeah. Marley's ghost coming for my soul. Yeah, it's true. But listening to that, and then he was so innovative in the ways he'd be talking about demon possession, and he'd be like, uh, 
You know, if, if you're Satan incarnate or you've been demonically possessed, call our demon-possessed hotline and he'd give a number and people would call in. Yeah. Or if you're a time traveler, call that. And he broke the, the John Teeter story, the supposed time traveler from the future who had come here to get some old IBM pieces to help work a computer in the future because of all that had gone on. And fascinating stories. And then he had the, the panicky caller that would come we call in from Area 51. All right, um, all right. And, and Major Ed Dames, the, uh, the remote viewer. And it was just, it was totally different radio, man. For that four hours, it transported you into a different world. You didn't have to worry about presidents. And I mean, he talked political stuff too, but it was, it was this great rich deal. And that's why, you know, it was really nice doing our show, Darkness Radio. We got the opportunity. um, We were over at the uh, iHeart radio station and KSTP used to have, uh, AM 1500 used to have, Coast to coast. Okay, you used to have coast to coast. And I then they flipped yeah. format to all sports. Yep. So I go into my program director, and this is when we were on Saturdays and Sundays, 9 to midnight, and I go, Coast to Coast is owned by Premier. We need that show on this network because I was selfish. I wanted to be the opening act for Coast to Coast. Right. He goes, well, let me look into it. Saw the numbers, and he comes back. He goes, well, we have some good news and not good news. I said, what's that? He goes, well, we picked up Coast to Coast, just like you said, and you're right. It's It's perfect. But we don't need you anymore because we oh, had to take the God. Somewhere in Time shows, which was like the replay of Art Bell shows beforehand. And he goes, but, you know, we have a, a one-hour slot, 11 to midnight, Monday through Friday. And they gave us that, so we were the opening act for them. And then it, we moved from um, 11 to midnight to 10 to midnight to 9 to midnight. I remember when you and were kept building midnight, it. Yeah. I figured by the time 2030 rolled around, we'd be on 24 hours a day, but no <laughs> such luck. But it was that that opened the door, and I got an invitation to fill in. Right. Because Ian Punnett, who's a good friend of your show now, uh, yep. Ian was leaving and recommended, hey, you should talk to this guy. And I got in and, and have had the chance to do Coast to Coast now for five years. See? I'll be on this weekend, April 20th and 21st. There you go. The star. Coasttocoastam.com. Check it out. We'll be Hello. back. Tom Bernard Show. I'm here with my real estate agent, Chris Lindahl, and after seeing what he did for me, I asked if he had something that would help our listeners. Chris, what do you got? We have something very special for KQ listeners. April 16th through the 18th, the Chris Lindahl team is hosting our SellerWorkshop.com series, where we're going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. And the best part is it's absolutely free. So that sounds great, Chris, but what's the catch? Tom, here's what I'll share with you. The number one core value at the Chris Lindahl team is to be generous. I have a teaching degree, and this is my passion to educate homeowners in the Twin Cities on how to sell your house the right way so you don't end up leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table going through the traditional real estate process. So go to SellerWorkshop.com for times and locations and to sign up for your free ticket. The Seller Workshops are happening April 16th through the 18th. Seating is limited, and trust me, they sell out fast. Visit SellerWorkshop.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. There he is. Our leader has returned. (laughs) Yeah. What? I said I was just trying to break in through your ceiling, but it didn't oh. work. <laughs> so, you leave. Now, you left on Saturday night or Friday night? Uh, Friday night, just before midnight. And they broke in at about 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. They're, they're guessing that, estimating that, yeah. Okay. So, no one was there. No one got hurt. Nothing nope. like that. Nobody got hurt, nope. Okay, uh, you can still do your business. You're open. Yep. It didn't affect your business yep, except for they have to repair you know, the building. But Yeah, no, we're still baking, and every order on file, we get done in same hours as normal, and business is continuing. And... So since cheesecake is a Greek thing, which I never knew, I just learned that today, how did you – are you are you Greek at all? I am not, but, um, but I, I love cheesecake and the history of it. But how were you so – like, cause seriously – I'm right there with Darkness Dave. The first 
several times I tried cheesecake. It was terrible. And then you you brought yours when? Was it a year year or two ago? I think a couple of years I brought cheesecake. Yeah, a I think it was ago. key lime the first one I brought. And I mean it was delicious. It tasted nothing like any cheesecake I'd ever I'd ever had before. And and Tammy was pointing out it's because there's no filler, none of that stuff. If you if you've ever had if you like cheesecake, you're gonna really like this because that stuff tastes like silly putty that you're eating. <laughs> I mean, it does. It tastes like putty or something. It's yeah, weird. it gets kind of gummy. And yes. It gets, and then, um, you know, that's something I have to, when I talk to restaurants about curing our product is they're used to seeing bad cheesecake and seeing it really high. Yeah. And they're like, well, it's not so high. I'm like, well, you don't want high cheesecake. I'm like, you wouldn't want a high chocolate truffle either. You know, it should, right. like a chocolate truffle should be small and perfect. A good cheesecake should be just dense and creamy, not filled with flour or egg whites or things to make it high. And um, and also I say if there's whipped cream on it, stay far far away. I mean, because it's then it's processed. You know, we see. Why would you put whipped it, cream on cheesecake? Well, because when they process cheesecakes in high volume, they're putting them, they're speed baking them, and they're putting them through these these ovens that are shooting them out, and they can't control how cracked they get. So they get spider cracked oh, down to the so bottom. Get, yeah, okay. So if you it. put whipped cream over it, you can't tell it's, it's so it completely cracked. Well, yeah. and, and whipped cream is pretty delicious. It is good, rather good tasty. Cream. Right, as long as it's nice homemade My whipped cream. cream. Oh, listen to you. <laughs> My whipped cream. Cheesecake whipped cream snob right? at our table. I am. I don't know I who am. made it, but I just had some mocha whipped cream. You ever had mocha whipped cream? Yeah. Oh, my or Bailey's, God. Or Bailey's good? whipped cream. Oh, the Bailey's oh. whipped cream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I made a whiskey whipped cream yeah. last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite stories of all time, Catherine's first Christmas with my family many, many years ago. She says to my mother, would you like a cup of coffee? My mother goes, absolutely. So she brings my mother this cup of coffee. And then she brings my mother another cup of coffee. And then like a third cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and my, all of a sudden, my oldest brother walks by. And my mother grabs him and said, sometimes you can be a real a-hole. I said, what, what is wrong with you? She goes, I don't know. I said, Catherine, what were you giving my mother? She said, oh, Bailey's and coffee. I said, my mother doesn't drink alcohol. <laughs> it's not that she's an alcoholic or anything. She just didn't drink right. alcohol. She's not used to it. Except she in church. Except of her mask. Yeah, the wine. Well, they did, that, that was back in the days, though, they didn't give you any wine. It's supposed to be the, the, the it was dipped in wine. Oh, okay. you dipped the, right. Yeah. Yeah, the wafers. No, you didn't. First of all, I'm not sipping out of the same cup as 95 other people. No, anymore. nowadays they've updated it, Tom. It's a, it's a tray with all these little plastic shot glasses. And they no. Walk, it is. I swear. Well, at least through the Lutheran church, churches. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's not the case in no, the Catholic that, church. No, not right. the Catholic church. No, no. Catholic church. no, no you, you Catholics, church. you still share that big yeah. goblet, right? Yeah. No, no, we no, Lutherans, we're a cleaner yeah. people. Yeah, the two times you go to service. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. That that's right. Mass. That's right. Come on. Forty My, minutes. Luke is like seven minutes, man. <laughs> that's what Alex it said is. for Easter. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you saying it like that's a bad thing, Molina? Hey, I've gone oh, to Catholic mass. Yeah, Mike's the standing, across the, the kneeling, the standing, the kneeling. Oh my God, Catherine. Two, three years ago. Tom, we should go down to the Basilica because the Basilica was the first place I ever went to to first grade. I started first grade at the Basilica downtown Minneapolis. Mm. I had gone to Emerson School for uh, kindergarten because the Basilica didn't have kindergarten. So I went over to the Basilica, and that's where, where we went to Mass every Sunday when I was a little kid because we lived right on Loring Park. So Catherine, a couple years ago, two, three years ago, says, you know, it's so nice because my grandmother sat in the exact. I could take you right to the pew where she used to sit every Sunday. My grandmother would get there early and say some prayers, and I can still sit. And I remember being three and four years old sitting on her lap in that pew. So Catherine said, "We'll go early, and we'll get you know you could sit where your grandma always sat all those years ago. It'll be wonderful and be great." What's it called again, Melina? It's the Easter Vigil Mass. Saturday the Easter night. Vigil Mass. Yeah. <clears throat> Three hours and 15 yep. minutes. <laughs> and we got there early so we could get my grandma's seat. We were there about four hours. I'm like, hey, okay, let's go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's get her, kick her into high gear. Well, Here the we conservative synagogue over there uh, across the river, uh, their, you know, their, their service in, on Saturdays is 
three or four hours. Oh, it, you know, they, oh, they got they have all the ceremony just just like the Catholic Church. They have all sorts of there's all sorts of steps Pomp in this process. And you're supposed kind of stuff, to, yeah. you're, so you have all sorts of points to uh, be in, enlightened spiritually during that period. That's why they do it. Hey, listen, I got, I did know how to speak Latin at one time. I still know a little bit, not much though. That was a long time ago. I had my son at uh, Christmas Mass over at Brooklyn Park Lutheran Church one night. It was like oh, the yeah. candlelight midnight mass. Right. And halfway through, and this is when he was like a baby baby, halfway through he erupts and he's soaking through the diaper in his outfit. <laughs> so I leave, and I've got no extra outfit with me. So I just come back in, and I've got him swaddled in this blue blanket. And as I walk in and start walking down the aisle, he goes, and then the babe was swaddled in it. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and everybody turns like it's part of the mass or something, and I've got the baby hey. all swaddled. I'm like, uh, just pooped. That's all. It. Just a lot just of poop. Much. No big deal. Oh, man. You know what I, I I enjoyed that quite a bit actually growing up in a Catholic family and and you know going to Catholic school and all that that you know identity a sense of identity. Yep. There's not a whole lot of that anymore. I don't think. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean you have to be part of a religion or whatever. But I see that's the other thing. When I when I went to St. Joseph's, there there were Mexican kids, there were black kids, there were no Asians in Minneapolis though. And I, that, why is that? There, until the Hmong arrived, basically there were no Asians in Minnesota. Why is that? There was no work here. I mean, there was no. There was just no work. No people. People didn't uh, recruit that uh, population to work. So you know, it wasn't like the railroad guess, yeah. or San Francisco and yeah, all east true. from there. They, they had uh, people working on the railroad. Oh, they brought these people over from China so that they stayed. Indeed. So that's where you had the, the, the Chinese. And I don't know when the Japanese. Why they? They didn't. They were in. They came to California before World War II. And why did they? I don't know. I don't know why there was an immigration. Anybody, and uh, you should probably know. You probably know that. You know everything about Japanese society. Why did they emigrate to what was it? What was their work? Or they, they certainly the climate is can be very similar to Japan. Yeah. Well, I know Hawaii is like. There's lots of Japanese people there, and I guess. The natural progression from there would have been California, since I guess. once Hawaii doesn't contain that many people, it's not too big. Uh, but California can hold as many people as you want, basically. Although Dave will like this one, maybe I tell you, you know this already. But did you grow up Catholic, Cabrera? I did not Baptist. Baptist. I know. My Where'd that come south from? South side of Chicago. Yeah. Baptist yeah. in Chicago. Cabrera in Chicago grew up Baptist. That's amazing. Yeah. My dad was Baptist. Mm-hmm. He was an interesting cat. I'll tell you that. He's an interesting guy. But I, I, I'll never forget. You get. Uh, when do you first go to confession? Is that eight, nine years old, ten years old? Do you remember? Well, it was after, so like, I got, what was it, first communion? Yeah, so it was second grade, so it was seven or eight. So you're seven or eight, so you went, yeah. to, confe- you went, to, yeah, you went to confession first and then communion. Yep. So you're like eight years old when you go to, so I must have been only seven years old because I did start school early. But I remember in confession class or whatever they called it, they were teaching this, that, and the other thing, and they said, somebody asked a question, so why do you go to confession? sister and she said well because you confess your sins to god well do you really or do you, you just tell them to the priest don't you and she said well the priest in the confessional is a direct conduit to god and i said no he isn't <laughs> oh god did i get in trouble <laughs> i guess i shouldn't have said that out loud <laughs> I go, no he isn't <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Did she get upset? But it's like, come on, a direct conduit to God? No, I, I've met the guy. Well, religion is a dichotomy all the way through it. There's all these rules and regulations, and you right. shall have no God before me, and you will only speak to me. Yet, all, you know, we're praying to saints and praying to statues and praying to Jesus's, you know, mom. And I always found that funny. Well, you go to you go to Mary because she intercesses on your behalf. You know, like when you want something, you go to your mom at home first, and I go, if God's all-powerful, he knows I'm pulling the shenanigans already. Exactly. Why, why don't I just go to the core audience for this deal and get the get the deal done? It's the Jackie Gleason thing. Sorry, Pally, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> One of the great things of all time. Yeah, that, uh, you know, that was, I'll tell you what, Oscar Tammy was interesting growing up with an ardent Roman Catholic mother and a Baptist father. That was like, that, oh, my yeah, God. I bet. They used to have the arguments about religion all the time. 
all the kids were raised Roman Catholic, so he, because he, I don't know what that was all about, but oh. man. Well, you also had the uh, the girlfriend's father who found out as soon as you were a Roman Catholic, yeah. they shut the door in your face. Oh. 16 years old, oh, I go over to her house, and uh, her dad answers the door, and he's got this very stern look on his face. He goes, oh, you're Tom. I said, yes, sir. He goes, I understand you're Roman Catholic. I said, yes, I am. He said, we're, what was it kind of? Missouri Synod Lutheran. Yeah, yeah. We're Missouri Synod Lutheran and shut the door in my face. Oh, <laughs> I had a similar experience of meeting uh, like a girl I was dating. I finally had to muster up the courage to go meet her. And I thought it was going to be something casual. Like, you know, you go to pick up your date and the dad answers the door and that's it. No, it was a Saturday afternoon in the fall and the whole family was there. Grandparents, uncles, oh, they were God. having a party oh, and get together. Oh. And it was an open floor plan. So I walk in there and everybody's there. We were late for some reason. And they're all watching the Gopher football game. And the dad announces right after meeting me, he's like, well, we were watching the Gopher game. And he turns it to Notre Dame. And he's like, because I heard all you Catholics like Notre Dame. Oh, and everybody God. looks at me. And I was oh. just like, oh, wow, oh. tough room. Very they're all Lutheran, blonde, Norwegians. And I was like, oh, uh, this is a whole different setup, yeah. man. No question. This about is awkward. It. Hey, by the way, that uh, <laughs> that guy that shut the door in my face, I ran into his daughter about 30 years later, and she was kind of toothless crack addict. So. <laughs> oh, Apparently, your uh, religion didn't work too well for her. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, uh, I, I went to Winona State University, and I dated a townie. And oh, she's like, uh, yeah, my dad wants to meet you. I'm like, all right. So I go over to meet her dad, and he's like, um, <clears throat> so you're going to take her out tonight? I said, yeah. He goes, well, we have to go through our, our prayer meeting first. And I'm like, okay, well, you guys have a good time. I thought he was telling me he and his wife were going to go out. We had to hang out by the house. And he goes, no, we're going into the prayer meeting now. And I'm like, we? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. So, like, I, I tell we went into the back room. He had, like, a porch room set up with crosses and an altar. I had to sit there and go through this really weird prayer ceremony with this guy every time I came to pick his what, daughter up. What religion was he? I never bothered to ask. It just was creepy, you know. knew what it was. What do you mean, townie? Uh, it means that, you know, I went to Winona State University okay. where everybody going to the colleges there from everywhere but okay. Winona. But Winona. Oh, Townie okay. is somebody who lives in this in the town. Ooh. And she, uh, I would go to pick her up, and it was always I had to have this prayer meeting, and her mom was really sweet. And afterwards, she'd go, well, you've made it further than any other boyfriend. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, usually they get past the first prayer meeting and they're out. She goes, you have to forgive my husband. He's very protective and very religious, but uh, if you want to keep seeing my daughter, this is the way to go. I'm like, I can... I can deal twenty minutes of this to go out with your daughter. That's fine, but that was uh, that was truly a weird experience. It turned out weird. to be Winona Ryder. That's yeah, <laughs> no, that's why her name's Winona. Uh, right. Yeah, her name's yeah. Winona. Wasn't Ryder she born in Winona she or was something? Born like in that? Winona. Yeah. yeah, they named her Winona Ryder, and her mm -hmm. last name is not not Ryder either. It's something else. Yeah, I think uh, I shoplifter. Winona yeah. Shoplifter. Yes, Winona Shoplifter. That's a real name. Her real name is Winona Horowitz. Horowitz. There you go. Winona Horowitz. Uh, good, good Irish name. All right, Tammy, give that address again so people can give you money to build you rebuild your business. Thank because you. Because you're well, I shouldn't say rebuild the business because the business is still functioning. Yeah. Rebuild it's fine. the walls and the, rebuild the walls and all that and, stuff. Yeah, all that. Um, so it's GoFundMe and it's help uh, build. Gosh, <laughs> help rebuild Muddy Paws Cheesecake. Help rebuild Muddy Paws Cheesecake. Yep. It is the best cheesecake I've ever had. And I'm not saying that because she's sitting oh, here. It's true. It's thanks. the best cheesecake I've ever had. <laughs> so go buy some and support Tammy. Damn it. Yeah. Damn you it. heard me. Yeah. Listen to Tom. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. <laughs>